and it's still okay to serve the Lord. And I hear those amens online too. I know you're watching and listening, YouTube or our website or Facebook. We, we hope that you see the need to assemble together, fellowshipping together. We're looking forward to spending time with each other for eternity, so why not enjoy it here? I know some of you can't take that, but uh, that's okay. Get over it. And so... I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have a Bible with you, to Luke chapter number 19. And as you find your place, I'll ask you to stand out of respect for God's Word if you are able to. It all began on a Sunday morning, Palm Sunday, so many years ago. And um, it was early that morning um, as Jesus was walking towards Jerusalem. His heart was heavy. His eyes were fixed. His emotions were stirred, humanly speaking, because he knew what he had to go through. We call this Holy Week, or the world does, but, uh, and it seems like every year that it grows cloudy, rainy. It's almost like earth and all of creation knows this is a very special time. The Bible talks about the earth groaning. But as Jesus was looking toward Jerusalem, he knew that the task before him was great. Beginning in verse number 28, Luke chapter 19, the Bible says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he was come near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never a man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent uh, went their way and found even as he had said unto them, and as they were loosening, loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto him, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should Hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And then he was come near, he beheld the city, and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round about. Uh, compass thee round, and keep thee on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children with, within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Father, as Jesus was predicting the fall of Jerusalem, as he was anticipating going to the cross. Father, help us to see the need in our own lives and in our community. Father, many are lost. Help us to point them to the way of Jesus, in whose name we pray today. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The two disciples that Jesus told to go get this colt must have wondered did he have a prearrangement with the owner? Did he already talk to the owner privately and say something to them? We don't know. 
We don't want to read between the lines, but in their minds, they must have wondered what was going on. Because Jesus, most of the time, of the hundreds of miles that he may have traveled, he only did a boat trip a time or two on the Sea of Gennesaret and the Sea of Galilee. But we never hear of him riding on an animal. We never hear of him riding on a colt, a donkey foal. We only hear of him walking everywhere that he went. And so it was kind of unusual, but this wasn't the only thing that was going on in Jerusalem. People from all over the place were coming for Passover, and all the, the time was a, a big hubbub in the city of Jerusalem, and there was a lot going on. And so his disciples were anticipating Jesus establishing his kingdom. This is it. He's going to do it today. But they were wrong. He was coming to declare peace. The only time a king would come in with or riding on a donkey was when he was declaring peace was won at the victory of the enemy. This is it. Jesus is coming. He's, he's establishing his earthly kingdom. And they were probably excited about Jesus establishing his earthly kingdom. Because in the book of Acts, we even read, Lord, will, not, will you not at this time restore the kingdom? When are you going to do it? And again, in the book of Acts, he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his place, put in his hand. So here, they're excited Everybody starts following along and there's shouts of Hosanna. There's the king is here. And again, King Herod and all the people that were there and all their pomp and circumstance, they were there with Roman legion of army, uh, the army of the Romans that were ready, willing, and able to quell any uh, insurrection that would happen, any rebellion from the Jewish people, from anybody really. They were there waiting, watching, wandering with their hands on their swords, ready to take action. Jesus tells these disciples exactly the words they are to use should anybody question what their motives are or what they're doing. They were to tell whoever asked them, the Lord has need of it. It's always good to listen to when God gives you words. When you don't have your own words, use his words. His words won't fail. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's always good to listen to God's word. It's obvious though Jesus knew what was going on in the face of the uh, in facing the city of Jerusalem. So the decision must have been a hard one in his heart. I mean Humanly speaking, he knew what was about to uh, befall him as he goes on this journey towards Jerusalem. And he was going to be executed by the hands of sinful men. He was going to be betrayed by one that was probably there this week as he's on his way up to Jerusalem. And as they're passing the Mount of Olives, a place that is very familiar in Scripture, that Jesus would go there many times to pray. He'd get alone with his father. And towards the end of this week, he would be saying, Lord, if it be your will, as he took the disciples up there to pray and let this cup pass from me. In other words, this circumstance, this event, if, it, if it's your will, let it pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus' heart was full of anguish. And so the people were looking for a king, though. 500 years prior to this, the prophet Zedekiah had prophesied, excuse me, not Zedekiah, uh, Zechariah. Zedekiah is another one. But uh, Zechariah 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, having salvation, lowly, riding upon an ass, upon the colt of the foal of an ass. And so the conquerors would ride as they would come back from war in chariots or prancing stallions. 
But in times of peace, the king would ride upon a colt to symbolize that peace had prevailed. Did you know our world needs peace? We're in political turmoil. We're in financial turmoil everywhere. We're in, I mean, I, we can't fathom. I remember when I heard uh, years ago when someone won a million dollars, and it's still a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but now we're talking trillions, trillions. Our mind can't grasp that number. Our world is in upheaval, much like the time that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Everybody wants something different. Everybody wants peace, but at what cost? Jesus says, I've come to give them peace. I am peace. And this was the beginning of the great eight-day feast of Passover and the festival when the Jews remembered God's deliverance way back when he delivered them from the Egyptian slavery that they were in. And all, from all over the world, there was a diaspora, a regathering of the Jews of that time to celebrate. So it seems like the city was overflowing with people. Jesus wasn't the only one coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, had already entered Jerusalem to occupy Antonia Fortress and the Praetorium with the full complement of elite battle-hardened Roman soldiers ever ready, as I said, willing to suppress any uprising against Roman rule that might occur. Herod Antipas, Tetrarch, or the king ruler of Galilee, of Perea, the one who, remember, if you will, who had beheaded John the Baptist. He was also arriving with great pomp and circumstance and ceremony, undoubtedly occupying the palace of the, his late father, Herod the Great. Such power, such pageantry. The people were seeing that week. Then here comes Jesus, fulfilling the prof uh, prophecy of Zechariah. The crowds lining the roads that day. Jesus riding on a colt in the city was a public declaration. He was the promised king. Oh, he is the king of kings. Yeah. He not is a was king, he is a king. The king. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. Proper English. When you think about all that's going on, and the people are probably upset that live in the vicinity, they don't like the Romans to be over them and under their thumb. So now here Jesus is coming, and it looks like he's going to cause the Romans to go away. Jesus didn't come for that purpose. In fact, later in the scriptures that we just read, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you're going to be level. King T uh, Titus is going to come in and wipe you out, and, and there's not going to be one stone left. It's going to be wiped out, and he did. But as they're processing towards Jerusalem, all of a sudden, I don't know if you've ever been in traffic, I don't know, Mass Pike, 495, 295, 146, something, and all of a sudden, every, everybody comes to a stop. What's going on? You want to know what's going on? The whole procession stops. People in the back are saying, come on, what's going on up there? And people begin to see Jesus from the back, and his shoulders are shaking, and What's he laughing at? Little did they realize he's crying. Jesus is looking at the city ahead of him. And he was moved to the point of tears. He was weeping over the city, over the lost condition of the people within the city. And there's only two times that are recorded in Scripture that Jesus ever wept, although he was moved with compassion multiple times. But two times the Scriptures record at Lazarus, the shortest verse in the Bible, it says Jesus wept. Jesus was moved with the same compassion that Mary and Martha had for their brother. And he began to cry. But that wasn't the end of that story. We know he said Lazarus come forth, Lazarus lived to die again. 
But here Jesus is riding on this donkey colt and looking at the city and he's weeping. He's moved to the point of tears and anguish because they were, as he said in the scriptures, sheep having no shepherd before. They're just wandering aimlessly through life, hoping that their religion is going to help them have the peace that passes understanding. And he's just moved because they're so lost. When's the last time you were moved to tears about the lost? When's the last time you wept over the sin of our nation? When's the last time you wept over the sin of a family? The sin of your own sin. You don't have to confess it. I had someone, <laughs> they think I'm a priest sometimes and they confess their sins to me. No, no, listen, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm not a priest. I can't do anything with it, but I can tell somebody about it. You can go directly to the throne of grace. And he'll give you peace that passes understanding. So here they see Jesus weeping and crying over the city. And the crowds were lining the road that day. Jesus was a public, at this point, was a public declaration that he was a promised king. How would people respond to that? The message from that time till now hasn't changed. He's still the promised king. He's still the one that we have to trust in and believe in our hearts that he's going to take away our sin to, to take us to heaven someday. If we live long enough, this generation shall not pass. If we live long enough, we'll not see death. We'll not have to worry about it. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Shoo! You're out of here. Your clothing will be left there in a pile and you'll be out of here. Uh, something to behold, something to think about. The world will say, all aliens got them. What's that asteroid? Hail Bop. Hail Bop got them. You say, what's Hail Bop? Uh, a few years ago, there was a Heaven's Gate that thought that Hail Bop was going to take them out of this world, and they wrapped themselves in tinfoil and committed suicide. They missed Hail Bop. And I think they missed heaven too. Don't know. And here the people are crying, Hosanna! Hosanna! Other portions of scripture said they laid their coats down in the streets and they put down palm branches. They wanted Jesus to establish his kingdom. Rightfully so. But in little less than a week, the same people that would be crying Hosanna would be shouting these words, Crucify him. They'd be caught up in the emotion of it. Not realizing the impact of their lives if Jesus is crucified. You see, how would people respond? Would they recognize his kingdom was not of this world? It is a spiritual kingdom, by the way. And he was to be a spiritual king. Small chance they didn't recognize his teaching when he was on this earth for three and a half years. He taught and tried to instruct them. He didn't beat them up with his words, but he said, Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the word. And he would teach them as one. And they said, How can this man have such authority? He doesn't teach as the scribes do. This man teaches with authority. Yeah, he was the authority. And now here he's coming and he's weeping. The procession has stopped. And everybody's wondering what's going on. Would they accept Jesus as king? Would we all the way down to our generation accept him as king? It's one thing to recognize somebody's authority or the position of authority that they place. I remember years ago someone said, well, he may really be the president, but he's not my president. I, I support the position, but not the man. I said, oh, yeah, you're still in this country, aren't you? And people have said over the years, if so-and-so becomes president, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, they didn't do that, did they? The nation seems to be going in a downward spiral. 
against God, against righteousness, against holy living and holiness. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Hey, wait a minute, the Bible tells me about this. As in the days of Noah, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Watch and be ready. We need to watch and be ready. Because Jesus is coming back. Whether or not you want him to, whether or not you're ready for him, he's coming back. But I digress and go back to Jesus on the donkey as he's weeping. He's looking at the city, crying over the plight because they weren't going to recognize Jesus as king. Much like today's society, they don't recognize Jesus as king. It seems like people have a hard time learning lessons, don't they? Oh, we do too. Perhaps some of them would greet him with laughter. They were amused by what Jesus was doing. This is funny. After all, it's kind of a ridiculous picture if you think about it. It's the carpenter and he's coming claiming to be king. Oh, he was king long before he was born. He was king long before he came onto this earth. He's going to be king long after this earth is gone. Oh yes, Jesus is king. Perhaps someone would think this. He's a lunatic. He's crazy. Living in a world of fantasy, imagining himself to be a king. And they would probably still laugh at him. Others would greet him with anger. They were upset because they would interpret his writing in on that day as arrogance, blasphemy against God. Remember the disciples, or not the disciples, but the, the Pharisees and the scribes says, this man speaks blasphemy. And they probably spit just like I did. Make sure you just clear the air. They were enraged that he would even claim to be God or the Son of God. And many would hail him with joy, welcoming him as an earthly king, because that's what they wanted. They wanted reprieve from the Roman oppression. But that's not what Jesus' purpose was. Oh, if they could only realize, like we, we can look back in history and see the purpose for which he was crucified, and we can participate by accepting Jesus as our Savior and asking him to be our king. They didn't understand. Among the crowds would have been people that he may have healed along his journey. The thousands that were present that he fed. Remember the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 3,000, the feeding of the multitudes? They were probably there. They heard about Jesus, they knew about Jesus, and they wanted to come and see another miracle maybe. They listened, he spoke with authority, they listened, their lives, I want you to focus on this, were changed because of his message. See, how about your life? Was your life changed because of Jesus' message? When we think about Jesus dying on the cross, I don't need a, a movie to tell me, I've said this before, uh, uh, of telling me how bad he was marred. The Bible says he was marred more than any man. His beard was plucked out. That crown of thorns was upon his brow. I mean, that's something that we can't even fathom. We can't even imagine the seven illegal trials that were at night before Jesus was even crucified. Oh, it's okay. Supreme Court said it's okay. He can do that. Yeah, I don't think so. You know what the Bible says? Every man shall stand before God and give account of his life. Whether or not we want to or whether or not we're ready. You know, when you're standing and they say, if you do not have a lawyer, one will be provided for you, public defender. Uh, you won't have one if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior. Because the Lord's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. It's a sad day. Jesus knew all of this. It was going on in his mind. And he knew that just over the horizon, 
as he's looking past Jerusalem, he, he could see the cross. It was a very bad way to die. It was, a, it was a torturous way the Romans came up with, and it may not have been them that really initiated the first crucifixion. But he knew that he had to die on that cross. We wear crosses on our lapels and on our chains, and we wear crosses. Uh, I see people tattooed with crosses, and there's crosses on the car, and there's all kinds of symbols for the cross, but it was a very harsh way to die it was an ugly way to die it wasn't pretty at all and he knew this Luke chapter 9 verse 51 the Bible says and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem see some of us would cower and say no 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 not me somebody else can do it I'm not volunteering I'm backing out. But he knew he had to die for our sins. Jesus rides towards the gate of the city and he, the crowds are growing and there seems to be a festive air about it. Like Autumn Fest. Well, maybe not that fun. It's festive. You get the idea. It's, it's exciting. Something's going on. There's something going on everywhere. And even before Jesus gets there, the news spread that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Just a few chapters earlier. Can you imagine the excitement that prevails? The excitement Jesus is going to do something. Let's go see what he's going to do. We heard the news. Lazarus died. And now he's back to life. He was buried in the tomb. And, and he was starting to decay. And Jesus brought him out alive again. The news travels one person to another until finally Jesus was ready to enter the city. Crowds are gathered on both sides of the way that he's walking or, or the donkey's walking. They were there, cut branches down. Hosanna to the king! excitement's in the air. You get the picture? And Jesus is weeping. And as he looks over this waiting audience, he must have seen the mixture of expressions on their faces, much like yours today. Some excited, some kind of, oh, Jesus. And some hoping that he's going to take care of their problems, which he does. If you're a Christian, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that good to know? We go through difficult times and we think, where's God in all this? Oh, he's right where he always has been. Where's Jesus? Seated on the throne of my heart, hopefully. The Holy Spirit's guiding us to where we need to be with all truth. No, nobody loves gossip more than me. I love gossip, but I like to... Not just, I used to work in a union and I would walk in every day for five years. I learned, I had some friends in the, in the shop that I worked in and I would say, what's the latest gossip? And they say, oh, there is none today. And I said, let's start some. All the gossip that was going on. Can you imagine? Hey, let's go see what Jesus is going to do again. Let's go make fun of his disciples. Remember, they couldn't cast out the demon. Wasn't that funny? And here, all manner, all walks of life, all different people are coming together. They're shouting for Hosanna. This is the king. Herod, I want you to listen to us. They're outspoken. So I think the soldiers are getting a little tighter on their sword. If there's any insurrection, we'll take care of it. But not only were they joyful cries of Hosanna, there were sinister people there too. There were the Pharisees and the Sadducees and faces with squinty eyes and faces that were waiting for him to say something wrong that were considered blasphemous. The Sadducees and Pharisees were there. They were supposed to be the keepers of the law. 
the spiritual leaders, so to speak, but Jesus had gained so much popularity that they felt threatened. Was that Jesus' goal, is to be popular? (laughs) I don't think so. But that was the goal of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Remember when they were throwing in coins and stuff into the offering plate? It wasn't an offering plate. It was kind of a different kind of a vessel. It made noise if you threw coins in. And, and Jesus was observing as they're coming to the temple. And they would make a big sound as they threw their offering into the plate. Into whatever kind of vessel it was. And people would say, wow, they gave a lot of money in that one. And here comes a widow woman. And she reaches into her pocket and she pulls out, the Bible says, two mites, a penny. And she puts it in. Jesus made an illustration of it. See, everybody else gave of what they had. This woman gave of what she didn't have. She gave all of her life. Big illustration there. It's a matter of the heart. The Romans, fearing revolt, were there and watching any sign of rebellion against Rome, ready, willing, and able, waiting to crush anything that would arise. And Jesus realized as they're shouting hosannas that the sinister voices would be drowning out the hosannas with crucify him. Crucify him. Or simply standing on the side watching and saying nothing at all. See, our testimony says a lot. Just go along to get along. You ever heard the phrase? I'm not going to make waves. I'm not going to do anything to disrupt the boat. Yeah, I think there are people that they should have spoke up and said, wait a minute, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Much like our political system today. Wait a minute. Something's not right. Well, when the whole system is not right and corrupt, it doesn't matter how much evidence you throw at it because the devil's in charge. He's the prince and power of the air. Ultimately, God's in charge and he allows things to happen for his glory. And we say, God, we want you, we want you to establish your kingdom yesterday. When are you coming back? Don't we say that? Don't we wish? Lord, take us out of this miserable place. Oh no, we're getting stimulus, that's right. Spend that devil's money. Let me tell you, the devil will get his just desserts one of these days. And people begin to shout hosannas. The apostles were, what are they doing in all of this? They're, I've always thought that Judas was probably ecstatic, basking, reflecting the glory of everybody doing this in front. Of, and he's thinking it's him. This earthly kingdom is going to be set up and I'm going to have my place. I'm going to have one of my positions. Because Judas was all about money and position. So how do you know? The Bible says he's the one who kept the purse. Now, it wasn't a feminine purse. It was just a bag that held the money. And when the woman that was with the alabaster box broke it over Jesus, and the odor filled the whole house where she was, that was her life savings. Judas said this could have been sold and given to the poor. It's not the Bible says that he cared for the poor, but that he held the purse. And I'm sure he took a One for himself, one for Jesus. One for himself, one for Jesus. I don't think he was all scrupulous with holding the bag. And so, imagine Peter walking with his chest out. We're going to be on his right hand and his left hand. I told you, John. Or maybe Peter had his hand on his sword. Remember what happened in the garden? Peter was the only one that we know of that was armed. One out of 12 or 13, including Jesus, he was the only one armed. (laughs) Just in case. 
Got his hand on his sword. In case somebody does something against Jesus. Oh, later on he uses the sword, but he missed and just hits the ear of the high priest servant, Malchus. I mean, it's either very accurate or Malchus ducked. And Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back on. It's better than super glue. It's better than Gorilla Glue. Don't try it. Don't put Gorilla Glue in your hair. Lisa, I hope you don't recommend that kind of stuff. Put up thy sword, Jesus tells him, that night. They that live by the sword shall die by the sword. Lord, it's not about the sword. I'm just defending you, Lord. I can imagine the attitude that Peter had. I, I get ahead of myself. Thomas was probably there. You remember, everything that happened that we know about Thomas, he was always a doubter. In fact, his name carries to this day, they're a doubting Thomas. We use that phrase, a doubting Thomas, for people that don't believe. People that don't believe truth. Oh, you're just a doubting Thomas. And he's probably wondering what's going to happen next. Andrew, remember, Andrew brought people to Jesus one by one and in small groups. He's the one that brought the man, the little boy with the fish and the loaves. Lord, there's a boy here. He's got a, he's got a sack of lunch. But again, what's that against so many? Just kind of deflated. Jesus doesn't even recognize at that moment in time. He tells the people to sit down. He says, command the people to sit down. Companies of 50 and 100. And he begins to pray over the sack lunch. And he begins to break and bless the bread. And he keeps breaking and blessing. And, and all of a sudden, they, they're full and people are happy. And they take of, of the fragments of this one time, 12 baskets full of just fragments. Now, I think it's an illustration. Each disciple carried a basket back home for the boy. Speculation. What do you do with all the leftovers? Mom, guess what? Remember the lunch you made for me this morning? Well, I got some more. We, we don't have a fridge yet, but we need to put this somewhere. I imagine all the disciples were there with all conflicting thoughts and Jesus in his innermost part of his spirit is again moved with anguish and compassion over the people. And again, we'll see him move with compassion as the Bible says he, he sweat as it were great drops of blood because he was talking to his father. James and John, remember their mother wanted them to sit on the right hand. Lord, if you can, just let my son sit on your right hand and one on your left. I don't care which one. <laughs> Jesus said, that's not mine to give. Are you willing to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, surely. And he said this, you will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But it's not what you think. And they were both executed. All this was going on in Jerusalem. Loving faces, sinister ones, anxious apostles, crowds trampling on almost one another. Just at that moment, it stops. Now, I've given you all the scenario because when Jesus was moved with compassion and began to weep over the people... It wasn't the city that was going to be leveled, although he knew what was going to happen. He knows the beginning from the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. He knew what was going to happen. But he saw the people. Much like the people around today. They're lost. They have no idea. They have the message. They have the word of God. We have Bibles on our phones. We've got multiple versions of Bibles on our phones. We've got three or four Bibles in our homes in every room. But we never read them. It's like a little granddaughter was over the grandmother's house and the pastor came to visit and the grandmother said, Oh, honey, would you go get that book that mommy loves so dear? And she came back with the Sears and Robot catalog. 
Some of you don't even know what that is. It's about that thick. <laughs> it has a lot of things in it around Christmas time. Ooh, I want one of those. And you know, uh, suddenly this procession as it stops and the people that were closest to Jesus could see and they realized why they had stopped the parade. Jesus was crying. He wasn't laughing as they supposed he was because of the joy of everybody shouting hosannas. No, no, no. He was crying. Sorrow, tears. You know, we cry over a lot of things. I had a goldfish when I was five years old. Her name was Goldie. Now, Goldie had died. Mom and Dad told me that Goldie ran away. Goldie got flushed. I was sad. I had a dog later on in life, and Snoopy, Snoopy did run away. Snoopy never came home. We don't know what happened to Snoopy. I don't know. Maybe he's still around someday. He's working for the Peanuts. Linus and Snoopy and I don't know. I was sad. And we lose a loved one. Father, husband. A child. We're sad. We're moved with emotion. But nothing compares to the emotion that Jesus felt for the lost world that he was viewing. He was moved to the point of tears and crying over the city. The people that he loved so much. He came unto his own and his own received him not, the Bible says. They wanted nothing to do with him. Can anything good come from? What city did he come from? Nazareth. Oh, full of smelly shepherds. Oh, and carpenters anything good come out of Jesus? Uh, is not this the carpenters? He, he, he did not make a big influence in his own people. The scripture tells us that Jesus reacted emotionally many times at different scenes that he saw. One when he saw the poor. One when he was hungry. Uh, saw the hungry. When he saw people sinning. When he saw the ill. The scriptures repeatedly, repeatedly, over and over, over again, says he was moved with compassion. He was moved to the point of compassion. Not religion, not judgment, although that's what they deserved. They already got the judgment from the religious crowd. Remember the woman caught in the very act of adultery? I think she was set up. I think she was set up. You say, how do you know? Where's the man? As you read scripture, you don't, both of them are supposed to be taken out of the city and stoned during that time. So where's the guy? We don't hear of the guy being, no, they just kind of swept that under the carpet and get out of here. We don't want to have to deal with you. We're going to deal with her. Remember? Jesus just stooped on the ground and wrote something, whatever it was. And they began to leave one by one. Oh, his heart was broken. These are the religious leaders. This is the one that's supposed to be, we're looking to for help and they're condemning. Lord, the, the law says she's to be stoned. Yeah, they only took a part of the law. They didn't take the whole thing. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as, as sheep having no shepherd. Chapter 14 of Matthew, verse 14, Jesus went forth and saw great multitude, and he was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Chapter 15, verse 32, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue now with me for three days and have had nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. The disciples are looking 
deer in the headlights, we have no money. How are we going to feed them? We have no money. Matthew 24, verse, uh, 20, verse 34. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. It was only two times, though, in the Bible that, we were, that records that Jesus cried. Jesus wept. Even though he was moved to the point of compassion, there's only two references in the Bible that tell us that he wept. Why is Jesus crying? Well, I think he realized that people have eyes and they don't see. They were wanting something physical and he was wanting to give them something eternal. Something more than they had. See, that's what salvation is. People think it's a fire escape from hell. And it is. It's not a get out of hell free card. I can live any way I want. I don't have to obey. I can just, I'm saved. In fact, some people that have ever been baptized, they think baptism saves them. I remember this one guy. The last time I ever saw him attend church was when he got baptized that day. He was gone. Never saw him again. Got his baptismal certificate, though. That doesn't save you. And the fact is, they put those palm branches to show they didn't understand. The enemies that they wanted overthrown, the reestablishment of the worship in the temple, and the palm branches they were showing was expecting Jesus to be another world leader. We want you to be the warlord to take over for these warlords, and so we want you to be king. And that's where they were. And you know, a lot of people, they claim to be Christian. In fact, if you watch commercials in the South, this car is Christian. And this dog is Christian. Now, dogs can have religion. It's like the little boy who, he, he's saying, are, are these Baptist puppies or are these Methodist puppies? He says, oh, they're Methodist. Their eyes aren't open yet. When their eyes open, they'll become Baptist. I kid. You know, and when Jesus looks out onto the multitudes, I think through the time that we live, he's looking out among us, and I think he's moved with compassion. He wants us to have compassion on the lost. As confused as they are, they don't know what gender they are. They don't know what religion they are. They don't know what anything is. But they know what they want to believe, and they know what they want, and it's like, I don't think you know anything. And the thing is, we have to be still and know that he is God. Not be worried about things that we have no control over. If they come and take our homes away, if they come and take our buildings away, if they come and take our life away, my life is hid with Christ. My life is not my own, as Paul said. I'm bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, whether by life or death. Glorify God. That's the whole point. Matthew 5, but I say unto you, love your enemies. That's a foreign concept today, pastor. Yeah. Bless them that curse you. You ever been cursed? I don't mean by a hex. I mean by someone cursing at you. If you've ever driven in Rhode Island, you've been cursed. <laughs> Just got back from a trip. I, I forget where we came back from. And somebody gave me a one-finger salute, and I said, well, welcome home. <laughs> no place like home. Do good to them that hate you. Wow. Lord, do you realize what's going on in our world? Do you realize there's a lot of hate going on, even though they claim it's not hate? It's really not hate. It's not hate. Hate, hate, hate. Do good to them. In other words, make a, a, a good name, Proverbs 22, verse 1. You can look it up for yourself if you don't believe me. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. 
I think if real Christians acted like real Christians, not just acted, but portrayed what Christ would want them to do, we wouldn't have such a negativity against Christians. Just my opinion. Matthew 5, uh, 5 verse 39, But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn again to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. In other words, the Romans were requiring the Jews, if he asked him to carry the rucksack or his equipment or anything, he was compelled to go one mile. That was the law. Anybody. Roman soldier said, take this. He had to go at least a mile. The Lord said, go too. No way. That's how we, I'm not doing that. I'm going to the exact 5,240 feet. 80. Been a long time. I was homeschooled. He says, go with them two miles. Isn't that kind of crazy? Well, that's kind of weird. Yeah, but things weren't normal when Jesus taught. And so, um, you know, we say this. If somebody hits me, oh, I'm going to get even with them. Somebody bumps our car on the side. I, I don't know what happened to my truck. I got dents on it that I never saw before. All I did was go to Walmart. What in the world happened to my truck? I'm looking at it. I said, I didn't have that when I went in. I could even... There, matches theirs. No, 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 no. Hey, it's God's truck. God's going to take care of it. And people who listened to Jesus must have thought, these are beautiful words, but surely he doesn't mean Rome. He doesn't expect us to love Rome, love Republicans, Democrats, government. Yeah, I think he's talking about people. He's not talking about systems. Remember, 1 John talks about love, not the world, neither the things that are in the world. What do we get attached to? Oh, I love my things. Oh, this thing. I love this thing. I'm acting like Justin. Not that he acts like that, but just in my antics. You know, we love things more than we love people. We're worried about what somebody's going to do or say. Uh, we gossip about things that aren't true. More, more families have been upset. I've seen it happen at funerals because of what was said on Facebook. At a before a funeral or after a funeral. Or can you believe they said that on Facebook? Get off Facebook. Live life. Enjoy life. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. That's what the Bible says. Do you see the people, the nation of Israel, had an opportunity to show Rome something different, new, because they didn't understand Jesus. He was completely misunderstood. The mission by, for which he came into this world, he came into this world to save sinners. Remember Paul said, of whom I am chief. I'm the worst of the worst. Yeah, Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. And sometimes that's how it is with our families too. Oh, you're a Christian. You're a goody two-shoes. You're better than us, huh? No, we serve a great big God who wants you to be saved too. These people were God's chosen people. God loved them, led them across the wilderness into the promised land. Once again, they didn't understand. Remember how he took care of them? I, I, there's so many directions we can go with this. Lord, which one? Okay. Um, as they came out of Egypt, they were blaming Moses for the problems that they faced. They were blaming the leadership and said, you brought us out here to kill us. The enemy's coming behind us. There's a big sea in front of us. We're starving. We're thirsty. 
Boy, that's a heavy weight for a leader. What are we going to do? Moses just threw up his hands. I don't know what to do, God. God says, listen, I want you to go down to the river. I want you to go down to the sea. Priest first. The priest and the Ark of the Covenant first. What? We're not building a bridge. As soon as the priest's feet hit the water, the water's parted. I've seen the movie. It happened. I've actually been to where they made the movie in Florida, and we drove through. There was water on both sides. It was cool. And on the left-hand side, we see over here where Moses parted the waters. It was cool. <laughs> but God said, listen, you've got to put me first. If you don't put me first, you're not going over. They're crossing over. The Bible says not muddy ground, but dry land. You ever try to walk in muddy ground with sandals? And some of you girls. <laughs> dry ground. They walked over the last ones looking behind saying, guess what, guys? And as soon as they came up out of the water, Pharaoh thought he could too. And he was so driven to go through like they did. He, he didn't realize we just came through some plagues. God did some great things, and I don't want to mess with God. You're driving furiously through this, and all of a sudden, the water's just let go and drowned them all. I know, people say the Reed Sea. Can you believe it? The Reed Sea is only three feet deep, all the way across. That's a miracle in and of itself. If it was the Reed Sea, because God killed the whole army in three feet of water. But it wasn't the Reed Sea, it was the Red Sea. That's what the Bible says. You've got to read it for yourself. God's chosen people. What a contrast. He sits upon the beast of burden. He sees the towering temple of God silhouetted against the sky. And he's going to where he knows. Eventually he's going to be betrayed. He sees... All kinds of things in his mind's eye. Matthew and Luke tells us that sometime earlier, Jesus looked down upon the city and he cried out in Matthew chapter 23, 37, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest thy prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. How often I would have protected you. I would have taken care of you. You rejected the message. The scarlet thread of redemption from Genesis all the way through the Bible to the book of Revelation shows the love of Christ. It's all about Him. And yet, just like the disciples, oh, Lord, do something now. Lord, I'm praying that you'll do something now. 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 Isn't that what we do at a stoplight? Green, now. Green. Now, green, now, go. And people don't go, they're on their cell phones. And we, we're so impatient, as soon as it's green, we're honking. Lord, do something now. Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest thy prophets, stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often I would gather thy children, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. It seems like today... Just like the city of Jerusalem, we find ourselves in the presence of Jesus. Oh, I don't mean Jesus just shows up at church when we have church. He's an intricate part of our lives. You say, how do you know? He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He knows what we have need of before we even go to our knees and pray. He knows the burdens. He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to be tempted yet without sin. Tempted like as we are yet without sin, the Bible says. So what do we do? <sighs> On the road to Jerusalem, does his, he see people concerned with many things, worried about income taxes, worried about job security, worried about their health or the lack of it? 
Does he see people who are so busy doing things here and there that they never bother to consider those things that are eternally so important? Yeah, we're so, we're so focused on things that are out of our control and out, we're, we're trying to figure out how can we move to Montana? How can we go where there's no taxes, income taxes or otherwise? How can we live as preppers? Uh, I don't think that's the answer. We, we, have, we have this little, it's not bottled water, it's pouched water. It's pretty cool. It tastes like chemicals, but it's cool. It'll last for five years. Is that right? Five years. We got two cases of it. Haven't tried one yet. We got dry goods. We've got all kinds of spaghetti. We got all kinds of fun stuff downstairs. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry. I just revealed where it is. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's the point. Because we're all consumed with what we can hoard or possess. And I, I, I joke with our situation because we're afraid if we lose power that you know, we won't have anything to drink or eat or anything like that. And you say, oh, that won't happen. Yeah, look at Texas. Texas people were dying because they couldn't get anything to drink. Their water wasn't working. And it, it's like we live towards the last days. I think it's, it's necessary to be prepared but more importantly, to be spiritually prepared. What shall a profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The Bible says in the last days, the people are going to buy a piece of bread with a bag of gold. You know how much gold is right now in ounce? Some of you know because you have a lot of gold. What, $3,000 an ounce? I remember... Back in 99, when I came here, it was over maybe $700 an ounce, $800 an ounce. When I was in high school, it was $300 an ounce. Wow. Hmm. How much is a bag of bread? That's oh, a piece of gold. No, it's going up, but it's getting to the point where there's going to be famines. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be things that are going to happen that's going to cause us to look up because our redemption is drawing nigh and he won't be coming on a colt. He's coming on a white horse. Not one of the four apocalyptic horses we talked about a few weeks ago. He's coming on the white horse. And out of his mouth will be a sword that he's going to conquer nations. I think it's time for us to get ready and be ready for Jesus because he is coming back. Are you telling people, are you concerned like he was over the city that he was going to, the center hub of religious thought? Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Cumberland, Cumberland. Woonsocket, Woonsocket. Blackstone, Blackstone. I forgot some, I'm sure. A lot of us are concerned about our family and relatives and friends. They that do not love the Lord will not help you serve the Lord. Don't hang around people that pull you down from your spiritual place. Be around people that encourage and pray for you and love you unconditionally because of Jesus. Not because of you, how great you are, but because of how great he is. Father, we thank you so much for Blackstone Valley Baptist Church. We thank you that Jesus had a vision for the lost. He was concerned for people. Help us to be concerned for people in our tribe. Lord, help us to be concerned for the human race. Watch over this invitation. Lord, help us to draw nearer to you than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Just a brief invitation as we have at the end of every one of our services. I had someone say recently to me, I didn't know what they were doing. There was a bunch of guys in black suits that came forward and people were kneeling down. I said, that's called an altar call. It wasn't at our church, but it scared him. 
I said, the altar call is for you to talk to the Lord. You heard the message and you can do something with it. Those people are there to help you and pray for you. They're not to scare you, men in black. And the same thing is true today. If you need someone to pray with you, we have people that are ready, willing, and able to pray for you and help you and show you scriptures. Won't you come as we begin singing? I survey the 